Welcome back to Arts About. show about art that's a work of art in itself, and I'm only saying that because Mark has refused to put any effort into replacing it with something else. Well, John, no, you were supposed to be doing it, weren't you? Oh, no, we say. Arts About is, of course, brought to you by the generosity of McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery, and you're here with artist-in-residence and cultural sounding board and complaining, John Baird, uh, the poetic Mark Stewart, who doesn't do very much, and me, Sally Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry about that, you two. Good morning. Quite all right. Good morning. <laughs> hey, um, what are you going to be talking to us about on the show today, John? Uh, George Borderson, Melbourne's George Borderson. own Medigliani. Oh. Why are you the Medigliani? Because part? he's Italian, you know. I know he's not Jewish, he's Italian, but he was Italian and he died young and he threw a lot of parties. Okay. Oh, did he? Yeah. Did oh, he paint people do. with long necks? <clears throat> so stylistically, he wasn't a Medigliani? No. No, okay, fair enough. And Mark? Uh, I'm going to speak about um, Johann Gutenberg, his printing press and a few other things, plus um, Elon Musk and uh, all his uh, SpaceX. (gasps) What about sending that car up? Well, the car was just part of it, but the the most important thing was the Falcon Heavy rocket, which you can now send to Mars and the Moon and wherever you like. And bring it back. Yeah, whereas the car's gone forever. It's in orbit around Mars. Right. Around oh, the sun, I think, I think in fact. Uh, no, I think Mars. We must, we must check up on that. But yeah. it, did you see the photo of it? With the, it's a, a, Tesla, a red Tesla soft top with a mannequin inside and a, and a helmet on, and they showed it going with the sun, with the Earth in the background, going off into orbit with um, David Bowie's, um, what was the name of that? Space Star Man. Star Man. Um, with, of course, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the glove box, yes, I heard. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> well, also on the show today, as well as all of that scintillating stuff. You know stuff, what surprises me about that? No. What? That a Tesla has a glove box. Does it? Why? Everybody needs a glove well, box. Well, I don't know. I just didn't think that they would have a glove box. In well, there. there's not much else in there, John, so they've got lots of space for a glove oh, okay. box. Right, fair enough. It yeah, probably yeah. is about time they changed the name, though, isn't it? Yeah. Right, somewhere to put Who your gloves. Us, yeah, exactly. Who of us puts our gloves your in? Your drug there? box, with maybe? <laughs> yeah. Well, that wouldn't be appropriate in your case, Mark. Um, also on the show today... Oh, I do beg your pardon. I'm only teasing. It's not true, of course. We're going to have a chat with legend uh, uh, Carol Pachulo. She's the actor, director and artistic director of Dreamhouse Theatre Company. And she's also the co-creator of a mini festival called A Women's Place that promotes the stories and culture of women on the Mornington Peninsula. It's on its back, coinciding with the International Women's Day the following week. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about that. We are also going to be talking with Susan McCulloch from Whistlewood Gallery. They have another exhibition that's opening there. Uh, in fact, it opened last week. It's called Black and White, and she's going to tell us a little bit about that exhibition, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a, a chat, probably slightly more broadly. <clears throat> so to start with, before I get our first guest, uh, Cara Pachulo, uh, on the line, I'm going to play a piece of music. But actually, before I did that, I wanted to say to you two both, guess where we're going in a couple of weeks. Where are we going in we? a couple of weeks? We Us? are going, yes, they have. I haven't told them yet. Oh. We're going to go along to the McClellan Gallery and meet the new director. Mm, lovely. Yes. So we're going to have dinner there, are we? Lobster Thermidor? I suspect we're going to have something delicious, yes, and mm. something to drink, and we're going to get to say hello and, and get a sense of what's going on in the gallery coming up, which is exciting. Lovely. Okay, as I said, I'm going to play this little piece of music for you here. Um, it's a song from an artist that I came across just doodling through Spotify. Her name is Laura Nero. Have either of you heard of her? 
No. She's an American singer, songwriter and pianist, born in 1947, and she achieved critical acclaim with her own recordings, but also had some success with artists like Barbara Streisand recording her songs. She's quite um, unusual in her style. Her style's a hybrid of New York pop, jazz, rhythm and blues, rock and soul. And this is Stone Soul Picnic by Laura Nero. Well, here's a little interview that I did with Carol Pachulo just a, a little earlier. She was busy going into a show that she was about to perform in. And uh, so I recorded this a little bit before we started the program this morning. Now, here it is. On the line with us this morning is Carol Pachulo, actor, director, improviser and executive producer of the fabulous Dreamhouse Theatre Company. Dreamhouse Theatre Company is the only youth-focused theatre company on the Southern Peninsula and it's based right here in Rosebud. The company provides an incredibly powerful platform for young people to explore their creative voices and as well as being interested in Australian playwrights, it continues to create new work as well. But as well as Dreamhouse Theatre, Carol with co-producer Anthea McKenzie, the drama teacher at Rosebud uh, Secondary College, are once again presenting their annual festival of and for women. A Woman's Place is a two-day event that's been running at Southern Peninsula Arts Centre for several years and coincides with International Women's Day. It is a festival that celebrates women and their stories and includes, over the weekend, storytelling, workshops and a new theatre piece called Tales from the Ninch that has been created from stories local women have told during the past events. I've got Carol on the line with us now to tell us a little bit more. Good morning, Carol Pachulo. Good morning, Sally. How are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for taking the time today to talk to us. I know you must be incredibly busy. Carol, what, is Carol, what does a woman's place bring to us this year? Well, it, it has it's happened each time we do it. It's just growing. So we've got a kind of whole suite of workshops and events and performances that run over, mainly over the weekend, the 3rd and the 4th, but also on International Women's Day on the 8th. So um, we have things for all ages, young people and older women, we have performances, which, which the fellas are welcome to come to. Um, so, yeah, we have a whole lot of things. We have a wonderful film that's screening called The Songkeepers on International Women's Day. So it, it, each year it's just growing, and we're kind of partnering with more local organisations and group, groups to get them involved as well. Well, one of the big themes I know is is um, is storytelling and hearing from people about things, stories that have affected their lives, local people, I should say. Um, yeah. And and it's um it's a powerful reminder, I think, listening to some of these stories that we're part of a community, and um, we often overlook their importance. Um, how is this affecting? I mean, how you be getting first hand reactions from people hearing. Um, stories from perhaps people that they didn't know certain aspects of their lives. What, what's going on down there? Well, well, I think one of the things you realise when you start having a conversation with anybody is that everybody has a story. And it, to them, often they don't think, oh, it's just, you know, this is what happened. But they're all, in my book, they're all extraordinary and they all have potential to move people, other people. And that's what sort of happened. We've discovered that. Um, when, when we've, we've, we've done the, the story sharing, it's sort of incredibly powerful for people, for women to tell their stories and connect with other women and realise that maybe they're not, they're not alone and what, what's happening. Not, not that all the stories are sort of, you know, traumatic, but, but just to know that their experiences, um, aren't that different from other people's and mm. that we all share this 
kind of common <clears throat> common thread in our lives that we're 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 more alike than I heard this quote this morning. We were more alike than unalike, mm. um, and I think when people come to see the performances, the verbatim performance, or or the the, the sort of script, the scripted work, they again are sort of it, it makes people feel very connected because they are, they recognise familiar places um, or experiences, and then it it builds community. I think. Mm. Well, I, I was there last year and have to admit, uh, though you, the, the performance piece that you did, which is, uh, create, which you and Jane Bailey created, um, out of some of the stories that you'd heard the previous year. Am I right? Is that right? Yes, that's right. And, oh. and, and to hear some of those stories, as much as you, 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 you say that they're not, um, necessarily traumatic stories, some of them were really whimsical stories and some of them were amazing recollections of what life was, had been like on the peninsula a long time ago. And, yes. and I think that we forget in our modern world that actually this was a, was a much slower place. It was this beautiful, um, quiet, uh, eddy in a way, away from the city and, and there were some, you know, brave people that came down here and settled. That's right. In the early days, particularly in the 1930s, yeah, we had some great stories from uh, some, of, some of the older inhabitants of the peninsula. Um, this, this year's stories, uh, which we gathered last year at the morning tea, and, and a few since then in conversation, uh, have kind of food. There's a sort of kind of bit of a theme of food and the stories connected to food. And we've probably, um, we've kind of, uh, uh, what's the word, Navi- uh, what's the word? Uh, got further into the hinterland a bit as well. There's sort of up in the hills, there's a few, more, few stories that are based around Red Hill and those areas, as well as the ocean and there's still that coastal kind of life experience is, is features. But, yeah, so they've all kind of got this foody food connection. Mm. And, 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 again, they're kind of, it's, you know, they're whimsical and moving. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's fascinating. It's fascinating once you sort of put put up a, a prompt like that. What comes, what people bring to it. You know, it, it, I, I, it's intriguing and and exciting for me as a, as a theatre maker. Mm. So the piece of theatre that you've created this time, um, Tales from the Ninch, I think it's called, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Mm. Uh, is that you and Jane Bailey again? Yes, it is, and also two local community actors, Octavia Stapleton and Annette Green, who featured in in the in the play right here last year as well. Oh, so, okay. and they've actually contributed a little bit of writing this year, and um, and also there's a, uh, some members from Dreamhouse, five members from the Dreamhouse Youth Ensemble. So that's the thing that's really grown over the last last year, and and even more so this year is the youth component. Fabulous. In a woman's play, so um, it, certainly in the in the play, um, in the in the new work, and also in terms of what we're offering in workshops. So we're offering the singing workshop again, as well as is that with um, Lingmara? Uh, oh, there's a thing. There is a Lingmara. That's sort of more for uh, oh, that's for everyone really. But there's a specifically teen songwriting with Dominique Garrard, which we ah, had last yes. year as well, which was so, fabulous. Yes, that's right. Well, Dominic come back again, which is great because she's really busy and she's touring the world now. But she's and she's you know she's she's from the peninsula. She grew up in Rosebud, so that's great to have her back. And we've also got um, that, the gorgeous Spark Youth Dance Company, which is you know 
doing amazing work. They're running a workshop on the Sunday morning for young women. So um, there's, there's, there's a few bits and pieces for all ages. But, yeah, we're, we're certainly wanting to make sure we include the youth component there. Mm. So yeah. how, does the, how does the weekend run? How, if people want to find out, if there, uh, are there segments that they can come to? or do you yes, that, yes, that's right. The best place would be to, to go to the website, a woman's place 2018.com. And that has the list of of all the workshops. I mean, everything kicks off really on the Friday night. Moss are performing, uh, Moss are holding their um, monthly event there in celebration of International Women's Day. That's Music on the Hill. So they'll be there on the Friday night. And then on the Saturday, we have a series of workshops starting with Yoga Groove at, at nine. Yoga <laughs> Groove? Yeah. Oh, so that sounds got, good. Yes, yeah, so with Jane Cornelius and uh, otherwise known as Yoga Jane, and she has a DJ, and so that'll just be a fun kind of way to limber up and get get in the mood. And then we have the story in the place from 10.30 to 12.30, which is where we have the morning tea, and we just we sit around and chat, basically. And, and this is where uh, the stories come from. That's exactly right, and this year's theme is surfacing le- legends of the peninsula. So it's, it's kind of around legends of the peninsula, either stories or legendary women. Fabulous. Which there's quite a few of, <laughs> as we're discovering. Yeah. 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 So then um, then we have um, the, teen, the teen songwriting in the afternoon. That starts at one till, from 1 till 3. And then from 1 till 2.30, Peninsula Writers Club are running our writing workshop this year. So that's great. We're, they, they were involved last year, um, and we're really excited to have them involved again, running the workshop and also uh, doing some uh, performance as well on on International Women's Day, and of course, um, Tales of the Ninch is the, perf- yes, the theatre performance, that's a, and that's on Sunday in the afternoon, the, I think. Yeah, so there's still more on the Saturday. Sorry, there's, from two thirty to five, we have great dance uh, lecturer and dancer and videographer Diane Reed is running a, a screen dance which involves um, some dance with with um, video, and she's going to edit that edit edit the sort of footage she takes. Um, and put together a little film that will be shown on on um, on International Women's Day as well. And then we have singing with Wing Mara from t- three till four thirty. Then on the Sunday we have Spark Dance doing a, a workshop in the morning, ten to eleven. And then Tales from the Niche is on at five. Fantastic. Well, it's, and then, yeah. I don't know where you find the time, Carol. I honestly don't. With oh, uh, with no. running Dreamhouse Theatre Company and all the other work that you're doing. Well, yeah, I know. I, I, I yes. Yeah. Yes, Thank like goodness for Anthea, right. of course. And that's right. Oh well, I couldn't do it without that. Anthea is the she's the steady keel, you know. She's, yes. the, she's the anchor. <laughs> well, you're a legendary woman yourself, Carol. We're very grateful for um, all that you do for us on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, it's a fantastic thing. I will, of course, put links up on our Facebook page for it, and um, uh, so that people can get through and buy tickets and have a look at the program and so on. And uh, it'd be great to talk to you afterwards and see how it goes. And of course, I will be coming down. Excellent. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Carol Pachulo. Thanks so much, Sally. Wonderful. See you soon. Bye. That's um, A Woman's Place. It's on um, at the Southern Peninsula Arts Centre Friday the 2nd through to Sunday the 4th of March. Um, and uh, there will be a link on our Facebook page to get um, a bit more information.
You're listening to Arts About on Ardable PFM with Sally, John and Mark and we've just been talking to Cara Pachulo from the Dreamhouse Theatre Company about A Woman's Place. Uh, you can find out a little bit more about that on their website uh, www.awomansplace2018.com Don, don't you forget to look up that. Thing. Next, here's a few messages before we come back with John's fascination this week. Mm. And now it's time for John, John on... Mm, thank you, Swanee. Yes, thank you, Swanee. George Balderson, mm. and uh, I'm not going to labour the Modigliani thing because no, it annoys I Mark so much. But it's not uh, really worth, John. <laughs> he didn't die of tuberculosis. He was, did he? however, a fabulous fellow, and uh, I had the great fortune to have him at RMIT as the artist in residence print. Uh, a printmaker at RMIT when I was there. And this was uh, in the fifties, was it? <laughs> you, uh, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> when was it? The seventies. <laughs> okay. And uh, he, unlike all of the other teachers at RMIT at the time, was actually a very good teacher, uh, mainly because he was just enthralled by the, his own craft, his own practice, and very keen to uh, get it across to other people. He used to say that. Um, when he was talking about art, he said that it was necessary to avoid um, being overly elegant or overly... Um, uh, what's that word, Mark? Um, anal? No. No. Um, anyway, uh, he had some rules, uh, both of which I thought he was quite good at breaking himself. You know, he, Some of his work was, I thought, was perhaps excessively elegant. Mm. Um, do, just to sorry to interrupt, John. Do you remember Duchamp when he made the urinal? Right. Somebody said to him, "But it's so beautiful." And he said, "No, it's not." And he said, "Yes." And he said, "Well, I can't help that." <laughs> yeah. So well, that, I uh, think I, that's that's the area that George was in. You yes. know, but he thought that he he said that uh, the other word was sentimental. He didn't like work that was overly sentimental. Mm. Um, and he said that work that was too elegant. Uh, looked down its nose at its viewer and um, and broke the contract between the two and oh. and over sentimentality just uh, brought something other than what the artist was trying to do to the relationship between it and the viewer and I think he's right in both of those cases. It is interesting because we if you look at uh, the unfinished work is something which is considered to be you know, it brings people into the fact that it's that it is unfinished that it's failed in a way which is what Michelangelo started off with, with his sculpture and Picasso and people that you know they yeah. managed to finish so quickly. All which makes fails. it more accessible. Well, it makes it more accessible point? to the viewer in a sense because yeah. it has failed in a way, and 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 mm -hmm. and, and that brings people in. Whereas All art is essentially failure. Art is a series of small failures. Phases. It's, it's true, but then some more more failed than others. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, George, um, he had a studio in a building in the city, in the Winfield Building. And, um, Here we go, more parties. Yes, he used to throw these parties uh, when I was an art student. And you must have uh, had a lot of fun in those days. Well, I did. Didn't you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the time, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. and uh, he had these fabulous parties that uh, weren't just for himself and art students. Uh, the whole range of uh, art-interested people were there, including uh, people from the NGV at the time, and um, older artists, and uh, they were soirees, in fact, and uh, terrific, 
time was had there. Did you wear your dressing gown? Well, I was. I wasn't living in the city at the time. Ah. So no, no ladders were involved you. either. Pardon? No ladders were involved. No ladders, no. Yeah. But mm. we're in the area. <laughs> I can't help but think of silk dressing gowns when one dis- when refers to a soiree. That's all. Well, <laughs> well, I, I'm, the silk <laughs> dressing gown. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. No, no. It's more the morning. <laughs> you know, it's more the matinee. The, not the, the silk dressing gown is definitely a soiree article. Mm. But uh, the dressing gown that I wore up Elizabeth Street on my way to the baths to clean my teeth. Yeah, that's the one was I was a, referring to. Was a Terry Towling number. Oh, I have to say, wouldn't have looked good at night. <laughs> Sorry, we're digressing. Um, during all of that, uh, I met um, Rhonda Senbergs, who was uh, married at the time to Jan Senbergs, who was teaching at RMIT as well. And uh, Rhonda had this thing about um, photographing. She took a camera everywhere and she photographed people uh, in various sort of states of disrepair, generally. So she'd go to parties, restaurants... Uh, that sort of thing, and photograph people doing stuff that they didn't necessarily want to be exposed to the rest of the, the world. And then she'd have slide nights and show them, invite all the people that were in the photographs to the slide nights and show them pictures of themselves mis- <laughs> misbehaving. That's lovely. They were famous parties, and um, she always, in fact, had a uh, a blue room set up where she'd have blue movies showing. Oh, you know, I really? told Mark this earlier, and he expressed his horror that he wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. Well, John, doesn't you've got to digress a little bit more, John. Why is that? Well, what was she was also your lover. No? She was for a yes. while, yes. Oh. And uh, as a consequence, I appear in a lot of those photographs, actually, oh, my which word. Are, are now a collection at the State Library, um, the Rhonda Senberg's collection of photographs. How fabulous, John. Is mm. there no end to your surprising... <laughs> George, the lovely man, uh, was sadly killed in a car smash in 1978. Oh. Uh, coming back from um, Montsalvat, back in towards Melbourne, and uh, pranged his car. Uh, he, a wife and a couple of kids, he left behind. Two wives, uh, one whom he divorced, obviously, and married Kelly. another one. Yeah. Um, and I think. I'll probably always miss George. I rather liked him, mm. even now. Although, can we see his paintings anywhere, John? Well, yeah, they're in all of the public collections, and they're prints generally. He was a printmaker and sculptor. There's a set of um, steel um, and bronze pairs out the front of the art gallery of National Gallery of Australia in Canberra, in the foyer. Oh yes, in the garden outside. Yeah. Um, they're his. They're his. Um, there's one or there's seven of them I think seven pairs right so not 14 no seven mm-hmm. yeah. I think I'll put a link on the Facebook page because I don't know his work at all well I looked him up recently yeah and uh, just because I was thinking about George and uh, I just had a kind of an epiphany I thought oh that's where I'm getting all that not all of that stuff that I do but a lot of the stuff that I do mm-hmm suddenly occurred to me was uh, probably from having worked with George and having known George and looked at his work and listened to him. A so, wonderful example of the profound So threat. if you have a look on there. 
Um, this is very good for radio. We're yeah. looking at John's iPad at the moment. And it, and, and it is time we're going to have to cut across. Oh, yes, aren't they extraordinary? Look at those eyes. And see those floating women and stuff. I think yes. that's probably... Yes, this one like here. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I will. I'll see if I can find that page and put it on the Facebook page and get our listeners perhaps to, to see uh, what might be the similarities with mm. your work, John. The profound thread at it again. Indeed. Mm. Uh, you done? Yes, Mark. Think, okay. yeah, Mark's oh, turn now. <laughs> Quite all right. Um, so listen, I just want to thank uh, Alan Musk for sending off his Falcon Heavy rocket into space. I think it was a wonderful yeah, thing. Yeah, I think so too. The fact yeah. that he did it for about a quarter of the price of NASA. Yes, that's incredible, And that incredible, he can start it? sending people to Mars and the moon. Although about likes. ten times the anxiety apparently as they all stood there waiting to see whether this thing was, was actually going to work. work. Yeah, <laughs> the first six minutes are the very the most important part. And the fact, mm. did you see that the, the two of the rockets came back landed at the same time on their on the pad, which is the whole, you know, this is the, the whole um, innovation of, of, his, uh, of his rockets, are that they will come back and it can be reused. So after they'd sent it into... Into space, they, they, launched, come, they come straight back. Really? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they landed yeah. together. And the, the third part missed its pad in the ocean by about 100 metres or something, but that's nothing for Ellen. Minor problem. And the beauty of, the, of his, tels, his soft top, which is, I think, the only one in the world, Tesla, red, going off into orbits with the mm. mannequin and the helmet and the space odyssey of David Bowie playing yep. and the whole it's thing. It's up there with the gold record heading off Exactly, just wonderful. Out of space. I think it's just a, a very positive thing. The, the fact that he's doing that as well as Tesla, as well as the, the sun, the batteries. In South Australia, it, yes. Yeah, and yes. I wonder he doesn't, doesn't have much of a sex life, uh, marri- uh, married life. <laughs> um, so to come back to Earth, have, yes. you, have you ever been to Rome in uh, around this time of the year, early, uh, sort of late January, February? It's a lovely time to be there because it's quite crystal clear. Winter. Winter. And you have the starlings doing their extraordinary patterns in the sky. Oh, murmurations. The murmurations of the starlings. And I've got a photo, another one, which is not good for our listeners, um, of the starlings above Rome in the shape of a bird, but apparently they're hitting each other in the sky. They don't know why, and falling down, and, and thousands of them are on the ground being squashed by vespers so and elfers. And this is not normal behaviour? This is it? not normal behaviour, no. There's a problem going on. They don't know what it is. They're sort of It'll be, it must probably. be neurological, because apparently what it, I think what the reason that they are able to fly simultaneously like that without bumping into each other is because their processing is so incredibly fast. Yes, and that they... It's also this, they say this is about the herd mentality in cows and ants and bees, that they actually have one brain and they're all working on the one brain. Common consciousness. Common consciousness and that there's extraordinary thing, which is what we'll be doing moving on from there into you know the what, Mark? self-driving cars. I think autonomous. those birds have probably got extraordinary vision, very, very good eyesight, and they may be confused by the sight of a red sports car on a rocket flying up. <laughs> Do in, you think? You know. <laughs> what the? <laughs> good conjecture, Brad. Um, so this idea of the one brain is what's happening in the uh, autonomous car Area. It's, I, I have to say, it's not actually one brain, because the brain is the kind of um, physical manifestation of that piece of your body. It's a, it's a common consciousness. It's, yes. It's the consciousness that is shared rather than the brain. That's very well put, 
John, and, and as we're running out of time, I wasn't going to uh, go too <laughs> deeply into that because <laughs> I wanted to speak about Joseph Gutenberg, and I'm obviously not going to be able to speak about no, Paul Jones. No, you're not Jones. running out of time. I yeah, am. Well, yeah, no, he, but he, I, he actually is. I'm going Did to he? save it for next week, so you can all look forward to hearing about Joe yes. Johan then. Now, the uh, Dutch have made a car which is uh, going to take off. It's a flying car. Oh, yeah. And ever since the Jetsons, we've been yeah, it's since. still going. Brrr. You can see it's going to be good sound effect. <laughs> Got a job, job for you there, John. It's called Liberty. It's a gyrocopter, so it's not like a helicopter. It's got um, it's like more like a drone. So it's it got do, more than one, is it? It's got yeah, like the rotors <clears> at the back as well. It can take. It needs a um, air uh, airstrip to take off, but you know, there's not one far away. Uh, it'll do 160 kilometers an hour. And it's going to be unveiled in Geneva next month if you want to go oh, and see it. Oh, that is very exciting. A flying car. Yes. And now the last thing. Yeah. More inconvenience than anything else. For the fetishists in the, in our, for our listeners, there's a Christian Louboutin shoes, which have mm. the red painted soles underneath. Uh, he's been taken to court because his colour red has been... Um, it's all about the colour, whether it's the right colour so or not. So he's been taken to court or he's, he's taking people he, to court? Well, he's taken to court, but they're, re, they're, they're firing right. back, saying that he's, he can't, can no longer have just... You know, it can't just be him. They're counter-suing. They're counter-suing, so there's going to be lots oh, more... Oh, that's interesting. Bit. It is yeah. interesting. It happens a lot in the fashion world, just how long you can keep the you know, Well, the there's patients. something like that going on, actually, at the moment about that incredible black... Because uh, that you know that Anish, um, Anish Kapoor <coughs> used in that in the sculpture, which is mm. uh, it's the yeah. super 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 black. I Dense can't think, black. Yes, yeah. apparently he has a patent on on that. And yeah, that there's a couple color. of patented colours around. Yes, well that's yeah. one of them. And yeah, also there's now, that, blue. But, yeah. but they have used that black. There is an architectural version of that black that they've used on a building in Korea that this part of the Olympics. Uh, right, might try and what, talk about that later. Okay, but yeah. in the meantime, Mark, we've got to wind up. Because John? we're running out of time Will I get here. into trouble if I paint the bottom of my work boots red? Yes. Depends which red you use, John. Okay. Oh, I'll give you the number of the one that you can't use. It's a nail okay. polish. Can you, do that after, can you do that after the show, sure. please? Coming up in a moment, we're going to be talking to Susan McCulloch from Whistlewood Gallery about the most recently hung exhibition there that opened last weekend called Black and White. But first, here's an oldie but a fabulous track from Marianne Faithful, written by the Rolling Stones for her. It's As Tears Go By. Mm. Writer, curator and publisher Susan McCulloch, OAM, is co-director of the Whistlewood Gallery, along with her daughter, curator and writer Emily McCulloch-Childs. The building on Tux Road Shoreham has been in her family's home, it's been her family's home for decades and plays an important part in the peninsula's artistic heritage. Susan's father, Alan McCulloch, was the founding director of the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery and bought Whistlewood in the 1950s for the family home. And it's been a much visited destination for the Australian art and literary world ever since. These days, Susan lives there and continues running Whistlewood as both a home and an art consultancy and private gallery, along with her daughter. And it remains, as it has always been for the last six decades, a showcase and repository for art, as well as a hub of working creativity, specialising in Aboriginal art and representing more than 30 Aboriginal art-producing communities around Australia. Last weekend, the latest in a series of fascinating exhibitions and art parades, Black and White, opened. It's an exhibition that includes a wide range of work of established and rising stars from the Western Desert, Utopia, Arnhem Land, Queensland, the Kimberley and the Northern Territory, and includes a capsule exhibition, which I'm very keen to hear about, um, from Vicky Cullinan um, of Special Night Sky. 
Good morning, Susan McCullough. Welcome back to Arts About. Good morning, Sally. Always fantastic to be here, rather remotely. (laughs) Yes, well, at least we've got you on the phone. Yes. Susan, once again, you've collected an extraordinary broad range of works. Tell us a little bit about this collection in black and white. Yes, look, um, in, uh, black and white has been a really quite a key and important aspect of um, Indigenous art for many decades. Um, we can think of um, works like the huge Emily Kame Umurai, um Yam Dreaming work in the National Gallery of Victoria, a big eight-metre-long painting, um, and the early Papanya works, which were very geometric, or still are very geometric in design, from the Western Desert, and they've um, specialised in rather monochromatic works, including very striking black and white works, which have that great quality of shimmer. So we thought it was um, a a really interesting idea for an exhibition, and then we realised a lot of artists were painting in those colours anyway recently. It seemed to be, you know, from all over, as you said, great um, range from the Kimberley to Arnhem Land to um, to Queensland even people were um, using black and white in, in different media so it, it's uh, it's wonderful actually when you take all the colour out of things mm. and um, it, it, uh, I have to say it's very beautiful to hang something like this because it looks so um, cohesive and um, there are obviously greys and uh, and you know shades it's not just all strict black and white but it's really monochrome black white and um, one of the Kimberley works has got a um, bit of um, brown ochre in it um, but largely black and white so really interesting theme absolutely and, um, because yeah. I, I certainly don't think black and white when I think about Aboriginal work it always seems to be so much about colour so well that's uh, right mm. and it is I mean largely we do have we do have shows that focus you know on colour and there's been a big um, interest in colour uh, in the last few years. There have been several major exhibitions, um, particularly at the National Gallery of Victoria, about um, such, there was a recent one last year, Who's, a, who's Afraid of Colour? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and shows, um, shows, you know, that Aboriginal art is not at all afraid of colour and this wild, beautiful colours which, you know, you can't help but love. I think it's, they're, they're just fabulous. But, um, yeah, it's kind of... It's, it's, um, it's interesting to see the more muted tones and mm. um, they do we, we had a, an opening on Saturday and there was really a fantastic reaction to it and we've had a really interesting um, and very positive reaction from a lot of people who possibly haven't been to the gallery before or have been meaning to come and they're just particularly drawn to you know to black and white work so it's lovely to have that new experience uh, Susan um do the Indigenous people have a, um, a relationship with black or white as a colour, or do they consider it a colour? Do you know um, that? Tr- um, in traditionally or in, in art? Well, no, in art. In, in oh, in art. Um, uh, yes. Um, they, yes. Um, <laughs> they, have a, they have a relationship. Like the same artists will paint both in black and white and in colour. mm um, but I think um, many of the Aboriginal works are uh, whether they whether they end up as colour that's overlaid over the um, the ground. The ground is often the background of a lot of works are painted in black anyway because it's the colour of people's skin. Mm. 
and a lot of the imagery is derived from uh, body paint and that of course is white ochre on black skin, white mm. and brown and red ochre on black skin. So it has that really strong link so, to traditional body design. Right. So you're saying they prepare their canvases with uh, black paint, that's the background, and then they paint yes, on top of it. Yes, a lot okay. of people, a lot of artists do, and then, mm. you know, whether it was, was the same. You know, with colour and, and uh, a sort of rusty red ochre colour is another favourite priming material. Um, so, you know, it's sort of the basis of a lot of the art anyway. Mm. So mm. it's like you kind of cut out all the rest of it and just pair back to the basics. Um, not that the works themselves necessarily look um, terribly basic. I mean, they're very, you know, they're very skilled. I think when you reduce anything to its line work, you get that sense of graphic, a graphic mm. quality mm. also, which is, um, and, you know, I must say when I was doing it, it, it uh, it really reminded me of um, my late father, who Sally was talking about, the founding director of the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery, and his um, love of black and white art. He was a black and white cartoonist and illustrator mm. and um, artist himself. And the whole foundation of the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is black and white and works on paper. Okay. Um, with, um, and so that's been the sort of foundation of the collection. So I thought... It's kind of interesting to have that little that resonance going through to um, the contemporary uh, Indigenous art that we're showing. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about, you've got a capsule exhibition. You always come up with this fabulous phrase. <laughs> capsule exhibition, yes. <laughs> What's the capsule well, exhibition? That's, that's because we've, we've, we've only got three works. And <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, um, we thought it fitted really well with the black and white theme, the night sky paintings of... Um, an artist from the Pitinchara land, um, top of South Australia um, community um, of Indorkana, um, an artist called Vicky Cullinan. And she paints the Milky Way and the stars, a wonderful night sky um, that you get when you're removed from electricity um, yes. or the, the, you know, the impact of, of, um, of man-made lights and the scale and you know, the vastness of the scale of the sky and um, that wonderful all-encompassing sense that, that one gets when you're looking up into it. So Vicky's works represent that. Um, and they derived from a, um, a sad experience. She used to paint quite different type of works, much more, um, I suppose, typical um, works that were about the iconography of rock holes and sites around her land, and she lost um, one of her young a young daughter some years ago, and she found that the thing that gave her the greatest solace um, and comfort was looking at the night sky and being immersed in that uh-huh. sense of the the grandeur of things, and uh, and yeah. that gave her the only thing that really gave her comfort. So she started to depict that. Um, so they have this kind of emotional resonance that you can't obviously see, but it's obviously the background of the work. And another um, surprise too, because so much work that um, we see is actually the other way around. It's an aerial view of the land. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yes, we've had a lot of comments to that from people who've seen it too. It's sort of say, oh, what Aboriginal art was all about, looking down. I said, yes, well, this is 
image and really the stars and the, uh, we do have um, a couple of works from the Kimberley area that also depict um, well, the, sky, the, the desert at night um, and one work by a really famous artist called Mabel Julie um, who uh, depicts the traditional story of the way the moon was created which was it's very rare to see these, that, those type of works um, and Vicky's aren't really they're more the kind of nightscape I suppose you call it mm-hmm. um, rather than focusing on a particular um, creation of um, or creation story although she also uh, as another background to her work the Seven Sisters the story of the creation of the Pleiades constellation and the Seven Sisters who in Aboriginal mythology moved between the sky and the earth and eventually flew up into the sky to escape the attentions of a man who was wanting to run away with one of the sisters and they formed the constellation of Pleiades. So um, in her work there also is that element. So there's a sort of creation element as well but focusing on the, on the sky rather than the earth. Well how long is black and white hanging at Whistlewood? Um, black and white goes till March the 4th uh, and, and we're open um, Friday, Saturday, Sundays and public holidays these days from 11 till 4. So uh, Fabulous. So people yeah. don't need to make an appointment? No, you don't need no. to make an appointment on those days. We can, if people can't make it on those days, we're happy to make an appointment. But um, that's uh, just open to anybody any time as long as Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. Well, I will, of course, and have already actually made a link on our Facebook page to the exhibition. It's wonderful. There's so much more that I actually want to talk to you about, but we're running out of time. Um, so for our listeners, Whistlewood is, is uh, 642 Tux Road, Shoreham, and um, this wonderful exhibition is running for another couple of weeks. So thank you so much for talking to us today, Susan McCulloch, and um, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Sally. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, coming up now, of course, is the news, and we really have gotten very close to running out of time. Uh, so, A Woman's Place is on at the Southern Peninsula Art Centre uh, the weekend, March the 2nd through to the 4th. SPAC doesn't really resonate so much. Though, no, does it doesn't. It? it does sound terrible. I, I, I abbreviated as SPAC, but uh, we, we, yes. It's like FAC. Bridget Thomas's exhibition, Fish and Chips, is on at the Merrick Fish General Store. Fish and Chips. Fish and Chips, yes, uh, on at uh, Merrick's General Store f- um, until the 25th. Black and White is on at Whistlewood, as we've just been talking about. Yeah, until February the 24th. Mm-hmm. Friday the 2nd of March, Moth International Women's Day Show, Southern Peninsula Arts Centre, Rosebud, with Rebecca Barnard, yeah. Christian Barnard's wife, Xanti. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Karen Fields, Ling Mara and Girl on the Hill, yeah. plus special guests. Um, That's right, yep. Who's the special guest? Uh, well, I don't know. Okay. We, yes, they'll not be you. not me. Yeah. No, uh, they will be, um, and and that kicks off uh, a woman's place, the, the little mini festival that we talked to Carol Pachulo about earlier on today. Ruth Rogers Wright is starring in Nina Simone Liberian Days at Chapel of Chapel until the eighteenth of Feb. 
uh, play on the art of sport. Uh, it's a NETS Victoria and Ian Potter Museum of Art touring exhibition celebrating 10 years of the Basil Sellers Art Prize, which is fabulous. Mm. And it's coming to the Morning Peninsula Regional Gallery. Is that Peter's brother? No. That, Not yes. everyone with a surname that someone else know. has that he surname. Just, he says is only related. a few people living in this country. Um, yes, that, that particular exhibition opens on the 2nd of March. It's coming down from Hazelbrook in Sydney. And I'm hoping that perhaps next week we might get to talk with Danny Lacey about that. I spoke with him the other day. Ah, did you mention it, talk to him about this particular prize? No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, coming up at the Alex Theatre, beginning on February the 28th, there are a series of spoken word poetry and philosophical conversations inspired by the ruminations of pub talk. Toilet Graffiti. Uh, it's curated by Jess Fairfax and presented by the Little Theatre Company. And we're going to talk to Jess next week, who presents a PBS program called Big Mob. It's only pub toilets? Oh, well, I think that's yes. I think she's found bits and pieces that she's used to inspire each. Uh, right. What was John's? Night. What was the one you saw? Perhaps cafes as well. I, I liked. Uh, Someone had written Jesus saves on the wall and someone had written underneath it, yes, but Moses in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Entries are now open for the 2018 National Works on Paper, which is an NPRG uh, exhibition. And as Susan McCulloch said, that was kind of where the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery started its... Started its thing All in with black her and mother. white. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so, everybody, if you have just tuned in, hey Sally. Yes. Just a moment, if you wouldn't mind. Yes. Uh, the Grand Hotel Pool Competition. Mark and John three games. Alan <laughs> and Kevin two. Aha! Uh-huh. That's good. Obviously, you won, you guys. Well, that's what we like to hear. If you've just tuned in, you've missed starts about. You can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcast on the station website. We'll be on again same time next week, 11 a.m. on Sundays, and you can find some link to some of the things that we talked about today on our Facebook page and get to hear what's coming up again and next I'm, week. I'm sorry I didn't talk about sex this time. No, you didn't, no, actually. That's quite an omission for well, you. Well, I had an article on Jakarta. They're going to stop sex out of marriage. It's going to be fun, isn't it? Oh, Bali? good luck with that one. Yeah. Um, remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. We know what we like. Yeah. What is it, Mark?